thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome in to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy, the reigning, defending, undisputed, somewhat heavyweight valedictorian of the show. He is AJ Johnson. Below him, we have my best friend in the whole entire world, Aaron the Mukesiah Mukes. And beside him, we have the smoothest voice in sports casting, Dylan Trucker. Kearns gonna go out and ride the big rig after this, right? Yeah, you're gonna go start up the rig and and go out. I am not riding a rig, no, Vincent, not driving or riding. AJ Brown was traded from the Tennessee Titans for pick 18 and pick 101. Titans picked up Traylon Burks with that 18th overall pick. We're gonna kind of just diagnose these trades here real quick and get you guys' thoughts. We didn't talk about it Monday. If you missed the show on Thursday, you didn't get to see our raw reactions, but AJ, I'll start with you. When that trade popped up, the Eagles were trading for AJ Brown. What went through your mind? Holy shit. This can't be real. This is another one of those draft rumors that are just going to fall by the wayside. We'll all talk about, remember how the Eagles almost finally got a wide receiver? But then, no, it was real. He was being traded, and I was like, that's a great move by the Eagles. If you don't think you can draft a guy, or even if you're – A.J. Brown 2.0 is sitting right there for your pick. Why not get 1.0, the proven one who's done it already, back-to-back seasons with 1,000 yards, and get your guy some help. This also tells me that the Eagles are either in on Jalen Hurts or here, just like Tua, here's your chance. Prove us that you're, you're, you're our guy, or we know next year we have the weapons in place for whoever it is we go and draft. So love the move for the Eagles, not so much for the Titans, but I'll let one of the other guys talk about him. Them. They. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, no, I know we're covering the NFC East, and it was a great move, like AJ mentioned, towards to for the Philadelphia Eagles to go and get a, an, an elite receiver like AJ Brown. But you cannot talk about this trade and not talk about what in the hell the Titans are doing. Uh, yes, 2.0 is what I hear from Traylon Burks is of AJ Brown. Listen, you don't just come into the NFL and get labeled 2.0. Traylon Burks has played zero downs in the NFL. Traylon Burks is not somebody that I'm looking at and saying, oh, that's A.J. Brown Jr. or A.J. Brown-like. The fact of the matter is the Tennessee Titans seem to me to be kind of disheveled at the draft. We talked about the facial expressions of a Mike Vrabel and kind of the – there was this weird, eerie feeling in their war room about like, yeah, they showed some excitement, but it didn't seem genuine. I think there was some – some people that were highly upset in that organization that this didn't play out the way they wanted to. And if the reports are true, if the report just, again – this is only hearsay. If the reports are true that they only offered him 16 million, he asked for 25, but would have settled for 22, and they never even threw another number out there, then shame on the Titans for continuing to do what they've been, which is kind of irrelevant. Even having good seasons, they've now taken a, like a number of steps backwards. I don't care um, how good Traylon Burks ends up being. I really don't. The fact of the matter is, is Tennessee Titans already had an elite receiver who's very, very young and was ascending. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like throughout the entire draft, they really knew what they were doing. And I think they were thrown off by the the controversy that was AJ Brown. Yeah. We saw it all night long with that. Just the, the that, that war room was just so disappointed every time it was like, whatever you saw Mike Vrabel making a call, it was like, Hey, you want to be a Tennessee Titan? We don't have AJ <laughs> Brown anymore. We got Ryan Tannehill though. Come on over. Be a part of the future. Hangs up mm-hmm. and cries. Hollywood Brown heading to the Arizona Cardinals with pick 100 in the draft in exchange for pick 23, which ended up being traded back and then ended up being Tyler Linderbaum to the Baltimore Ravens. Dylan, when this trade rolled through, what did you think? 
You know, my initial reaction to this trade was, man, Lamar Jackson's losing the one weapon that he has. I mean, I know we've seen Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews be a little bit there, but I mean, they need as much help as they can get at the wide receiver position. You know, you look at a Hollywood Brown. I know he hasn't been the best thing. Uh, he, he was shining for a little bit last year. He had some great stretches of play where I thought he might take that next step and be a great wide receiver. But I think they just labeled that as, hey, this is a situation we just we got to move on from. I mean, this is someone we wanted more production from, and we haven't gotten it yet. And, and you know, you look at the Arizona Cardinals from their point of view, they knew what was going down with DeAndre Hopkins. They knew they wanted to get another weapon outside. They lose an A.J. Green. Uh, they lose a couple pieces on that offense. And uh, you end up going ahead and going back and taking uh, someone like Hollywood Brown, reuniting him with uh, Mr. Kyler Murray. So I think it's a good move for the Cardinals side. The Ravens, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of it from their vantage point, but it was one of those where they just chalked up to, hey, maybe it wasn't the best pick that we made a few years ago. Hollywood? Whoa. Whoa. Do we think the uh, do we think that had the wide receivers not went on a run there that the Cardinals still make that trade or do they draft one instead? Say a Chris Olave, say a Jamison Williams, yeah. a Traylon Burks is still there. Do you think that trade still happens or do you think they that, take one of the younger guys? Not with Jamal. That would, that would be. I mean, yeah, it would. I guess it would be dependent on. I mean. I think they would have. I, I think they would have stayed stayed pat though. And that, uh, like, when you think about that question, you're basically saying, would you rather, if you're Arizona, would you rather Hollywood or any of these guys? Are you saying that these guys are going to end up being better than Hollywood Brown? Are you willing to take your shot on these guys? And to be honest, I think I would have Olave. I would have rather taken my shot on him than than Hollywood. Jameis Winston or Jameis Williams. Jameis Williams. I would have rather taken my shot on him. Jahan Dotson? Is that the line? Hollywood had a really great year. He was playing with yeah. Tyler Huntley for a while. Like, yeah. let's I, not forget about all the injuries there. Yeah, the biggest thing is it comes down to the fit, and he didn't seem like he fit there and wanted to move on. But I'm very excited for this offseason to progress and us to start getting into our fantasy shows because I'm very interested to see you guys' thoughts on AJ Brown and Hollywood AJ Brown and Hollywood Brown's fantasy outlook heading into the 2022 season but i guess you guys are just gonna have to stay tuned to that uh and speaking of the arizona cardinals we will be talking about the arizona cardinals and the entire nfc west only on youtube tomorrow when our clips drop so be on the lookout for that make sure you are subscribed to the youtube page at sac city pod and the rest of the great stuff dylan now's your chance buddy feed the ducks and tell the beautiful people at home where they can follow us at. I got some bread in my hand. I think I'm ready to feed some ducks, you know? Quack, quack. Head on over to all social media pl platforms. That's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's Twitter, it's YouTube, and it's that tweet, 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 t -t -t TikTok. TikTok, all at Sac City Pod. Type in Sac City Pod and on all of those applications, and it'll pop up. You'll see our beautiful four faces. Well, three plus mine. But it's amazing. You'll see all of our faces. You'll hear all of our content, all of our funniness. It happens at Sac City Pod on all five of those platforms. Be sure to check us out. Leave a like. Leave a comment. And leave a subscription. This is your fault. This is your fault. I, I think I made the right fault. choice. I think I made the right choice. <laughs> Before the show, AJ's like, you know, I'm just not feeling it. So send the socials, send the social read to Dylan. And uh, Dylan, you knocked it out of the park, man. You knocked it out of the park. I think we were blessed. Uh, what, what I come in for yeah, yeah, yeah. is this bad boy. Or do you want it? You, Dylan, do you do you know about this? Are you aware of this? I am aware. It's the Sac City shirts. Check it out. I believe we got 10 days left. Is that, is that, is that the thing there, Vinny? That is correct. Good job, Ten Dylan. Days. Dylan. Wow! See? Holy See? shit! This Don't guy's hot. Yeah, he's it's well, hot streaks come to an end. But anyways, welcome to Sac City, ladies and gentlemen. The draft was held in, in uh, Las Vegas, of course. Great graphic design there on the T-shirt. Slap it on there and buy it. You can purchase it. Bonfire. Be sure to check it out. The link is available on our social medias, and I just told you where to find it at Sac City Pod. Purchase that shirt today and rep the Sac City in your city. Okay. Oh! What a I'm guy. Really what, a <laughs> what a move. What a way to end it. Slam dunked it. Just dunked on the head. What a good, <laughs> good job, Dylan. Well done. So let's get into winners and losers of the draft real quick. Rapid fire. Dylan. Maybe not rapid fire, but Dylan, who is the biggest winner of this draft? 
biggest winner is the Seattle Seahawks. They got themselves a left tackle, although they didn't take a quarterback. That's all right. That's all right. You got your one-two punch okay. with Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny, which we talked about on yesterday's episode. Check it out. Uh, check out the things that we got on YouTube. Uh, dropped yesterday on Thursday. But you know, um, I, I was big on Seattle. I, I really was. I loved everything they did. They added Kobe Bryant, a couple other corners in there. Um, I mean, they 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 made a lot of great moves and moves that had to be made to get a pass rusher and Boye, Oye, Oh yeah. <laughs> Boye Omada, Boye Koye. Boye Mafe, man. Boye Mafe, man. Come on, get Boye your shit Mafe. together. There it is. He's picking but, him as the I winner mean, and doesn't even know who the names are. Yeah. I, I knew it was the edge. It was that Boye kid, not AJ. I mean, there it is. Thank you so much, Vinny. See, A plus, A plus, A. I mean, that's how you do it. And then a couple more A's beyond that with a B. I mean, that's how you do it right there. Seattle, they're my winner of the draft. Boom, baby. Uh, for me, it was it was easy. It was Baltimore. Um, and, and actually, we're gonna talk about my real winner because I have about three later today. But I wanted to go elsewhere to you know save some content. Um, for me, I'll say the Baltimore Ravens getting Kyle Hamilton, getting Tyler Lindebaum. Uh, we talked about getting the best players at their position and being able to kind of solidify that. I thought they did a really good job. They got David Ojabo, who's arguably a top five at their position. Uh, this is a team that just consistently does what they always do, which is know how to build a foundation, uh, build that structure and get players that are going to help them win. Uh, I thought Baltimore did a nice job moving around, kind of trading picks, moving back, moving back up. Like they did a nice job managing the draft and then going out and getting the best players. And it's arguably getting Kyle Hamilton where they did. I believe it was at 14. Um, the steal of the draft could have been picked two. Like it's, it's, he could have gone pick two or three. So uh, good for them. Uh, Baltimore is my winner. Love that pick. Um, there's also a, another winner that I have, but we're going to talk about them a little later. So I'm going to go somewhere else as well. And uh, I'm going to go with the Kansas city chiefs. I really like what they did, what they addressed up front and immediately they got their cornerback help in Trent McDuffie who took a little, uh, who they traded up to get. So they saw they had a need. They were aggressive. They made it happen. Uh, and picked up Trent McDuffie. And then with their second pick in the first round, an edge rusher that could have gone in the teens and George Karlaftis got him. And we've talked about how he's going to be a solid, solid player. Uh, and then, of course, as you guys know, I love Mr. WNBA himself, Sky Moore. I think that is a fantastic choice and uh, a great fit uh, after losing Tyreek Hill. No, he's not Tyreek Hill yet. Who knows what could happen one day? Maybe he'll boister for two speed one day. But I'll tell you what he already does is he gets off that line quick. And if he gets past you, he's creating separation, great hands, and he's got great mentality. I think he's going to fit right in there uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. I really like what they did with their draft. I'm going to go with the the uh, low-hanging fruit. You guys were avoiding saying the New York Jets because we're going to be talking about them later. I'm not going to avoid the New York Jets because they are the biggest winner of this year's draft. Why? You'll just have to tune in. Losers, though. Losers of the draft. Biggest losers. That's That's what it comes down to. We're going to be talking about one of them in a little bit, but I will give you guys the San Francisco 49ers who we talked about just uh, yesterday. Uh, the clip's out on YouTube now. Go check it out. Sac City Pod. Uh, but drafting a running back in the second round and then just the rest of the mess that they had going on in that draft, it just didn't make sense. None of their picks made sense. They had a lot of – I guess their last pick made sense because it was like cornerbacks, but really the, the whole draft for the San Francisco 49ers, they are the biggest loser. Dylan, who you got for losers? Going with the Indianapolis Colts might be a curveball, might stump. Maybe you have to sit here for a second, which is why I paused. The Indianapolis Colts, I believe, were the biggest loser, and that's tough to say because usually Ballard on Fridays is definitely a bad man. Um, if you stick him in on the second, third rounds of the draft, that's when he usually hits well on all of his picks, right? So it's a little bit questionable for me. Sure, I like the Alec Pierce pick. I think it's another wide receiver you can add um, to what, what what Michael Pittman brings to that offense. You take a big, not necessarily a big risk, but you go for a tight end that has athleticism upside. You take a Bernard Raymond, who, I mean, we talked about potentially being a bust. Um, not the greatest left tackle there is in the world. They tried getting him. Then they add a safety, a D tackle, another tight end, another D tackle, a, a, a center. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of the draft that Indianapolis had. Um, obviously, no first round picks. They were uh, screwed from the start in that department, but I, I think Indianapolis got screwed a little bit hard uh, when it came comes to the draft selections. 
Good, nice pick. Whatever. Nobody cares. You're a Colts fan. Um, listen, I went different here. I don't know who the team I'm picking for a loser is, but I do have a player that I'm picking for the biggest loser. It's Justin Fields. The Chicago Bears and Justin Fields um, are my biggest loser. They didn't really address any kind of offensive weapons except for one man in a Velas Jones. Velas Jones is older than, I don't know, he's older than many receivers in the NFL already. The man spent like 16 years in college. He's, he's the kid that's been there forever. He went to USC for four years. Then he went to Tennessee for two more years. I think the man is about 30, and they drafted him. I'm not saying that he can't be good. He's fast. He brings some things to the table. But for Velas Jones, who's never eclipsed 1,000 yards, He's never eclipsed a thousand yards as a, rece- as a receiver, and you take him in the third round. Justin Fields is my uh, is my loser because that offense drafted a senior citizen. <laughs> Can't hate on that pick. I think you're uh, kind of spot on. Uh, my losing team. We talked about this. Go check the clips on uh, on YouTube if you want some more. Washington Commanders. Just quite bluntly, what the hell were y'all doing? You you, you traded up and got Jahan Dotson, who I love. And then you ruin it by not doing anything to really help the fact that you got that receiver. You reach to get Fedarian Matthews, uh, Fedarian Mathis, and you have one of the better defensive fronts in the, in the NFL. Then you went and got a running back when you got so many talented running backs ahead of them. It took you till the fifth or sixth round to even address your secondary, which a lot of people would agree is your biggest hole. I meant to bring this up and that. I don't know how the hell a C minus ended up on Brian Robinson. I'm 90% sure that's supposed to be a D minus, but either way. It's so, not. uh, w- I, I no, I'm saying on my end. But either way, um, the Washington Commanders, I think they did a poor job, uh, especially after trading the picks to go get Carson Wentz, saying we believe in a quarterback that can get us where we need to go, making that you're taking the strides in the right direction. To have a draft like this and prepare for your future so poorly, uh, I'm just I'm not a fan. I think they are the losers of the draft. The Los Angeles Rams, gentlemen, F them picks is really what this should be called. I don't even know how to do, I didn't even know how to do a big three for this because they're really, I mean, like this is the big three for them highlighted by Dylan. And I'm going to do this right this time. How do you pronounce the name? Kyron Williams. (laughs) There it is. Kyron Williams running back at a Notre Dame third round pick was Logan Bruss. And then they selected Darion Kendrick uh, in the later rounds. Really it's, it's tough to kind of break down the Rams because well, they didn't have that many picks, but, Dylan, they did select the running back out of Notre Dame, who you are very high on. So please tell us how he will fit in with this Los Angeles Rams team. Well, he's just going to be a depth running back. I don't think I'm going to see see too much production out of him right away. Obviously, you lose Sony Michelle, who's just uh, got an update. He's having a visit to, um, I believe, Miami and also New Orleans, two places that kind of strange. But anyway, um, Sony Michelle's lost in that backfield. Daryl Henderson, they have been very very questionable on him during his tenure. They, they've liked him, and at times they don't like him. Cam Akers still coming off that Achilles. Um, he's just going to be a depth running back right now. Daryl Henderson, only one year left, I believe, on his contract. So it, it allows Kyron Williams a chance to potentially climb up that depth chart, be a number two, maybe get some carries uh, and see what he's got. I mean, he's got explosive um, – he's got great acceleration. That's one thing that I noticed. He would go back and watch that Clemson game at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, that big run to start the game. That was huge for the Irish. And I mean, he ha- he has that next level run. He's He could break tackles well. He's just a feisty guy. And one thing that he's really good at, and I think he could earn his, earn his stripes on this team, he's fantastic in pass protection. That guy will step up and just load up a linebacker. He don't care what it looks like. He'll come right at you and just hit you hard in the mouth. I mean, he's a big time run blocker. The reason Notre Dame converted first downs and played themselves into their funny record that got them uh, eventually kicked out of playoff games because, I mean, he did a great job of pass protecting. So, I mean, he's an all-purpose guy, and I think he could potentially crack, um, see some playing time, not only this year, but in the future as well. He's going to play. Uh, I mean, Darrell Henderson, injury. Cam Akers tends to be a little bit injured. Uh, And you know one thing that I really liked about this pick? Um. I like the fact that Sean McVay is the type of coach that he will ride the hot hand and does not care that Cam Akers was supposed to be their guy. Does not care that, uh, you know, a, a, what's his name? Daryl Henderson was supposed to be <laughs> that him. next guy. Uh, he's This is a fifth-round pick that if he tends to come in and play well, he might stay in the game. I mean, we saw games last year where Sony Michelle was the hot hand and they rode him. Dylan mentioned this guy's versatility. 
I, that's to me what stood out the most. He's very, very consistent. He's faster than he actually runs like in a 40 plays a little faster than that, but his pass protection skills and what he can do out of the backfield as a pass catcher with a very good, you know, route tree and blocking to me is invaluable in the NFL. You can find a spot to play when you can block and be that third down running back that your quarterback trusts to stay upright. And with a Matthew Stafford, who's not old, but getting older, I think that could be big for the Rams. It would not shock me if at some point in the season, us fantasy players are saying, damn it, Kyron Williams taking carries away from Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson because <laughs> they got beat up, and now it's this, this committee thing. It would not shock me at all. Um, and I do like the idea of going forward in the future of what he's capable of once Daryl Henderson's gone because I don't think they'll re-sign him. Reunited with Ben Skoranek. Oh, goodness gracious. Not this again. Not old Skoranek again. Uh, oh, goodness. Okay. The rest of these Rams pick, though, Aaron, you were very high, and you gave the second best grade of your Rams draft to the the selection of Darian Kendrick, the cornerback out of Georgia. In the sixth round, you gave that a B, your second best grade behind Williams. Tell us about about Kendrick and what he could do. I mean, this is I mean, there's a glaring hole in the Rams secondary after losing Darius Williams, and I mean, they they, they got to fill that cornerback two spot. Could Kendrick be that guy? Well, they went out and they got Troy Hill. Um, they, they traded for Troy Hill, bring him back with the Rams. Um, look, Darion Kendrick is going to have some growing pains, but this is a guy, he played on Georgia. And, and when you play on Georgia, you tend to get a little bump defensively, especially last year. Uh, he can play both man and zone coverages, plays really good with good leverage at the line of scrimmage, can press, can also play downfield. He plays fast and he has those quick kind of twitchy moves that has smooth hips to kind of get in and out of those breaks and track receivers. Um, it's still somewhat of a project. He can be, you know, have tunnel vision at times and he can be slow to react to what the quarterback is actually doing. Um, and, you know, he doesn't kind of possess that breakaway speed to maybe keep up with some of the top end receivers in the NFL. But he can, you know, he can make plays. And I do like the fact that he's coming from a big time school playing with big time other defensive players. He had four interceptions last year. Uh, I think he can come in and fill a role that I think there probably is the weakest for the Rams. Uh, there's a lot of holes that most teams have. The Rams don't have many holes, maybe linebacker, uh, but then they add a Bobby Wagner. And then yeah. the other spot you're really looking at um, after offensive line, which they they addressed early in the draft and then also uh, re-signing Joe Noteboom, um, is the defensive secondary. So, you you know, you come in there and you join a Taylor Rapp and you join a Jordan Fuller and Jalen Ramsey, you add Troy Hill to the mix. Now you're not asked to do so much. You'll probably be the second or third guy in that secondary, get some time to learn. And I just believe he could be a project that maybe can grow into something that's a little bit more than just uh, a depth piece on a roster. I think he might be able to start somewhere um, as his career progresses. Yeah, four picks uh, taken on the secondary or used for the secondary for the Rams. That's that's the that's the route they take. And I mean, when you're this defending Super Bowl champions, you can do whatever you want in the draft. You don't have to have any picks. You can just continue rolling, continue building depth, doing what you have to do. And the Rams continue their strategy and go secondary. Do, do you like them better this year, AJ, than you did going into last year? <laughs> hey, they stepped up. I stand by everything I said starting last season. That's what we do when we look at what's ahead. It's their job to go play on the field and show us differently. And they did it. No, I'm, I was a serious question. Like, do you look at them this year and think differently than you thought about them last year? Because they did lose some pieces still. We're talking about, yeah. uh, you know, the, the offensive lineman they lost, the secondary they lost. Like, do you look at them a little different? Well, I give them a little bit more respect because they've shown they've known how to overcome some things like that. Matthew Stafford's a big upgrade. Uh, their defense getting Troy Hill back. He was one of my favorite defenders that they had next to Jalen Ramsey the season before. I think he did a lot next to John Johnson. So bringing him back to kind of keep that that level of defense and secondary up, I'm about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, start off, they should be better. Do I think they're going back to back? I think that's a lot. It's time for the Arizona Cardinals, and they started their draft off with a big move that saw Hollywood Brown. Hollywood! get traded to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for pick 23 from the, for the Ravens. And then they got, they, they got Hollywood. They got pick 100. They're making moves. Their draft after that was also not that bad. I thought, I thought they had a fairly good draft. I know you think I'm high on everybody's draft, but I thought the Arizona Cardinals did a good job, not a great job. They started things off with, taking Trey McBride followed up by Cam Thomas and Majay Sanders, the line, the defensive end out of AJ's Cincinnati Bearcats, 
Uh, yeah, sorry, AJ. They've become your Bearcats now. Uh, Dylan, what were your overall thoughts on the uh, on this this draft from the Arizona Cardinals? Nah, that was my thoughts. Okay. I saw it and I said, okay. nah. That was the exact okay. thing that I said. You know, Trey McBride, tight end. Sure, you trade for a Zach Ertz, and then, of course, that obviously goes the way it did last year. And then, I mean, tight end is – I. I don't think I would have gone there, to be honest. I, I don't. I mean, maybe maybe he was high on their board. I, I, I remember FaceTiming Aaron uh, earlier this morning, and I said, dude, I don't know what to give this grade because I like the football player, but I hated the selection because it's a little bit early for them. I think the first pick you draft in a draft cannot be a tight end. I'm sorry, Atlanta. Now, Pitts was an exception. But, I mean, other than that, there's there's literally no reason why you should take a tight end with the, the first pick that you have, especially in round two. There were so many needs on that. Not so many, but I, I didn't think tight end needed to go in the second round. That's that's my take on that. Dylan, looking at this like it's fantasy football. You can't select a tight end unless it's Travis Kelsey in round one. That's the only tight end you can select in round one. Unless it's if it ain't Kelsey, it can't be anyone else. If it ain't Kyle Pitts, it can't be anyone else. That's how this is working for Dylan. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean the rest of the draft was pretty trash. I didn't like. He, he's it. not wrong. He's not wrong. And AJ and I argued to the death about this last year about Kyle Pitts, like amazing player. I still can't take him top 10 and that's a, that's a top 10 talent, but you can't, I can't take him top 10 Kyle, Kyle Pitts. I'm taking late first round and that's look at how elite he is. So you look at a Trey McBride in the second round. I get where Dylan is coming from, but again, it goes to show where the NFL is going. This is about putting pieces around your star quarterback who needs weapons and you know, and I think a lot of this had to also do with the fact that they knew Deandre Hopkins was getting suspended. Um, they went out and traded yeah, for Marquise Brown. They, no, it, it makes it actually not stupider. It gets them another weapon in the middle of the field, which is a quarterback's best friend, no matter how we want to view tight ends. And I'm the biggest hater of tight ends. That is a quarterback's best friend and can help Kyler Murray stay healthy. Quick throws with him and Zach Ertz. Ertz. Um, I liked the pick. I didn't love it. Trey McBride is an interesting player because he's highly touted, but his production really came in one season. And we've seen this over and over again in the NFL where a college guy comes out and he's had one good season and you're like, okay. And then he gets drafted pretty high in the second round. You're like, can I trust that? I'm not sure I can trust him to be that type of player. It helps when you got a guy like Zach Ertz to learn from, to play alongside. I'm sure they're going to run some two tight end sets, help Kyler Murray, Murray get rid of the ball quickly. This is about the, the Arizona offense maybe transitioning to something different than what Cliff Kingsbury thought he was going to do when he first came in the NFL, which was five wide, spread it out, get all these receivers on the field. Um, I think they might be shifting that, that focus. I like the, the thing that I like about the, the Arizona Cardinals, whether it be a good strategy or not, they're a team that sticks with their plan. Like they, they're sticking with their system, no matter what, whether it's good or bad, they are sticking with their system. And I thought that was evident with their, uh, what was it? Their seventh round pick, their last pick of the draft, selecting Marquise Hayes, the guard out of Oklahoma who has. So I know you're going to, you're going to laugh at this. He's got some familiarity with Kyler Murray. So this is going to be able to, he's a guard. He comes in that can help him out. Who, who knows? Marquise Maybe Hayes might be a center and throughout. with balls again. Jeez, Vincent. He could if you want. I mean, that that could be a thing. It, if that helps Kyler Murray stay in Arizona, I mean, hell, bring it on, okay? Whether If, if Hollywood Brown's doing the same thing in the locker room, I don't give a shit. It's oh, keeping I Kyler Murray Vinny loves the connections. Vinny loves the connections, no I matter how important. small or how big they are. They are important to an extent. Uh, I don't think that Marquise Hayes coming in to, to play – to even possibly not make the team uh, is is going to be a big deal with Arizona. But you talked about how high you had Arizona's draft, right? It was a good draft, but like your grades don't reflect that. No, no. <laughs> your grades reflect an okay, <laughs> an okay draft. Like, <laughs> what are you really talking about here? Um, I'm I'm not sure, and, and I want to get AJ's thoughts on this because he was a big uh, Cameron Thomas guy. I liked the Cameron Thomas pick. I thought that's a good replacement for a Chandler Jones to start uh replacement for Chandler Jones. And then along with um, Majay, Majai, whatever you want to call him, San, uh, Sanders from Cincinnati. Majay Sanders. Will. Oh, he's freezing. Um, Will the, will the Cameron Thomas play inside or play outside? That's my question. He played a lot of inside at San Diego state. And I think it kind of limited his production. Does Arizona stick with him on the outside and say, go get the quarterback. Cause I think that's where he, he's going to excel. 
Yeah, I'm a fan of it. I think he is going to be a solid edge rusher for them along with Maje. And I like that may be the only real part of the Cardinals draft that I liked was the fact that they addressed the edge a couple times. You know, it's you see a lot of these teams with the need. They're like, well, we got one player like my Atlanta Falcons. We need receivers bad. We'll get one in the top 10 and never look that way again. Uh, the, the Cardinals didn't do that. They went and got an edge with the second round. One of the guys we talked about near the top 10, if not within, and then followed up with another one. So they got two in their, in their very important rounds. Uh, I think these guys are going to play off each other very well. Um, having Isaiah Simmons back there to be that kind of floater type guy to kind of give them another thing to worry about as far as offenses go, uh, to have those three guys uh, playing in that top seven. I'm a, I think it's a very good, I think it was a very good uh, decision by the Cardinals there. The rest of their draft, eh, would have loved to see them go with some DBs a little bit more. They definitely need some secondary help, and I don't think they addressed that early enough or often enough. We've seen it. What you mean? They got it. Jeff Gladney. Dylan told oh, us they got oh, Jeff Gladney. Oh, not about that. So they're I set. like Never the pickup. It's a one-year flyer. Get off my ass there, Aaron. I like it. Chill out, Pina. It could it could be it could be I just think like you said it's a one year thing so where they go after that they have to either re-sign him or they don't have anybody else they got Marco Wilson and you know a bunch of guys like it's I never heard of these guys Breon Borders Jace Whitaker we know Breon Borders don't we Vinny (laughs) Antonio Hamilton like what who's Breon 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 Borders Borders. he's a Jag but he's a Jaguar what what Wait, wait, that is my point right there. A diehard Jacksonville Jaguars fan didn't even know he was on the team. And that, that tells you everything you need to know about Breon. Who, who is that? Who is that? It's, he was a I'm, very DB behind Aaron Colvin. I know Aaron Colvin is. I, Good. That's not who we're okay. talking about. We're talking about. Yeah, Breon that's Borders. not who we're. I didn't even know that person existed. At Dunkin', we're getting ready for sunnier days with our Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. A bright and balanced iced coffee with notes of cocoa, tangy sweetness, and toasted nuts. Made to brighten every day a little more. Soak in the sunshine a little more. And fill every moment with a little more, more. Because we aren't just chasing sunsets anymore. We're counting sunrises too. Do more with Dunkin' Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. Brewed for brighter days. Enjoy a medium for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. We're moving on to the San Francisco 49ers, and their draft was, uh, well, Aaron, I I can say this now. They didn't have that great of a draft, and I'm not going to lie to myself about it. The Niners didn't really have that great of a draft, and it started off with Drake Jackson, the linebacker out of USC, followed up by, oh, goodness gracious, the running back out of LSU, and Danny Grit. It's just not good. It's not good, and I know we're starting this video off, and everyone's watching this. The Niner fans at home are watching this, and probably leaving right now because we've or- I've already started shitting on them. But like, this draft didn't make sense for the San Francisco 49ers. Am I alone on this island, or or AJ? Are you are we are you on board with this? I took the rowboat with you to the island of shitty drafts. <laughs> it was not a good draft, and you know for. For a team in a front office and um, what's his name, John Lynch, <laughs> like we've been praising them, play, doing well for the past couple of years for the most part. You know, not every single pick has been great, but this one, I mean, you, you like why? Why do you do half the things you did? Drake Jackson was an okay pick. Like there's a lot of potential there. A lot of people like that. I, For the life of me, I will not understand Tyrion Davis Price. I mean, you're talking about, a team, first off, that has damn near six running backs. I mean, what's it, Jermichael Hasty? Uh, Elijah Mitchell came in last season and played very well for you guys. Clearly, you're out on Trey Sermon. That may be the only thing that would help you decide to pick a running back here. But even still, that doesn't make it a good running back. We're talking about a guy that took over 500 offensive snaps to get just about 1,000 yards. He averaged less than three yards a carry last year in college. Like, that's not going to be the production even a run-happy squad like the 49ers uh, want to put in place. So unless they're just worried about the fact that their running backs can't stay entered, uh, can't stay healthy, unless they're worried about the fact that Trey Sermon is never going to be an NFL running back, that pick to me was ridiculous, made zero sense. Even if you needed him, you took him in, what, the second, the third round, the second round, third round, the third round. Why? Why? Fifth, sixth? There were so many other running backs you could have taken here, so – uh, bad pick there. There's a litany of other bad picks, but we got other guys to talk about that. 
Um, I, I'm right there with you. I, I didn't understand the running back pick. Uh, this just tells me they're out on on a Trey Sermon. Maybe you, you give Jamichael Hasty some more work, but I think they're completely out on a Trey Sermon. Uh, my biggest question mark was their first pick. We're, we're talking about the second rounder. It was Drake Jackson. And again, I praise Drake Jackson. He's one of my top 10 edge rushers for potential. But this goes to the lack of need for the 49ers and where they needed that help. They, they still have D Ford, who's going to come back. They still have uh, Ebukam. They still have Kinlaw. They still have Eric Armstead. Nick Bosa's on the other side. Hassan Ridgeway's on the interior. Like, their defensive line has been one of their strengths for the past couple of seasons. I think they had other needs. We talked about the secondary, and maybe they do believe in Emmanuel Mosley and, and Jimmy Ward and those guys back there. They signed Charverius Ward, which was a nice signing. Offensive line, they could have went. They lost um, – who did they Lake and Tomlinson to, to the New York Jets? Like there were so many other places of need. Drake Jackson is a guy who is going to come in and make a difference, but I don't know that it's going to be a huge difference for a team that quote is so close to a Super Bowl. They were in the NFC Championship game. A couple of years before that, they were in the Super Bowl. Um, I just thought there were some other situations, some other players that they could have gone. And then in the third round, or for, I'm sorry, their third pick, they take a Danny Gray. Nice player, I guess. But so we talked about the weapons that were there and available at that pick. It, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, I'm not sure which running backs were still left uh, when Tyrion Davis price, but wasn't he like the third running back taken? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I believe yeah. it was, I believe it was Kenneth Walker or I believe it was Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and then Tyrion Davis price. And that yeah, you went before Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce, Isaiah Spiller, um, Pierre strong, all, all, all these guys, even and I'm Rob. sorry. The, yeah, the production was so limited for just one season. Like, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, it was but Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a monster season. Yeah. Like yeah. it was it was a mon- yeah. Tyrion Davis had barely a thousand yards and six touchdowns, a relatively pedestrian running back season when you talk about college football. Like bulky yeah, so draft in this team. It's uh <laughs> it's it's just not good. It's not good for a team that's probably going to regress some. You got you're bringing in a younger quarterback now that's most likely going to start. Uh there is to be some regression expected from them. Uh worst draft by far from the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch era and um it's sad but it's true. Yep. Dylan, did you have any did you have any positive takeaways on this draft cuz it seemed like based off of your grades for them you seem to be the highest one out of all of us on certain picks uh did did you see any positives out of this uh this draft here from the uh san francisco 49ers i like sam womack i think he's 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 really good i think that's the only one on this list that you could really look at <laughs> and really be like hey you know they didn't mess up but womack i mean we know the need at cornerback. Like he, he's just a depth corner that can go in there and make plays as the producer is just laughing his ass off behind in the green room. <laughs> as the graphic plays. But anyway, Womack is just, I mean, I think he, he's, he's the one guy you look and say, wow, they needed that position and they drafted it. The other places it's like, the hell are they doing? You know, I mean, it made no other sense, but that was the only one that made sense. So therefore it got my B. I think that was the, the that pick was the Tariq Castro fields pick. Like that's the, yeah. that was the need and then they address later on in a steal of Tariq Castro Fields because that was what Aaron, you're that was your boy from from the from our pre-draft process, right? Love him. They got better value on him than they did a Samuel Womack. What Womack? I'm again my grade. I didn't even have Womack getting drafted, and there's okay. many scouting reports out there that had Womack not even getting drafted. Tariq Castro Fields brings a little bit different. Like this is a playmaker who loves contact, who likes that physical style. Reminds me a lot of. Richard Sherman, and I'm not saying Richard, he's Richard Sherman, but remember, Richard Sherman was a fifth round, I believe a fifth round pick, who was a big, tall, physical corner, liked to play in that zone, cover three scheme, but wasn't afraid to come up and hit. I, I see a lot of that in, in Tariq Castro Fields. I'm not saying he's going to be Sherman, but he has some of those physical traits. Um, I thought that was better value there than Womack, but to Dylan's point, I'm not going to knock necessarily the Womack pick too hard because I do believe that's the position of need. They lost the NFC championship game because a guy, because a guy couldn't catch an interception because they couldn't stop the Rams when they needed to. Right. So th- these are for the longest time, the issue on the 49ers has been the secondary. Yep. I, I know Niners fans will get on me. Oh, we love Jimmy Ward. We love Ambry Thomas. We lo- You've always loved all these guys you bring in. And yet the one Achilles heel, they've always ran the ball really well. Debo Samuel's electric quarterback's been good enough. What has cost them games? 
the Super Bowl, it's Tyreek Hill on third and 19, fourth and 19, whatever it is. Uh, the NFC Championship game, it's Matt Stafford throwing the ball deep and you can't make a play. That's what's always cost them. And it's going to continue to do that until they invest in that position in the appropriate times. Charvarius Ward, great pickup, but they could have did more in this draft with some really good talent in those early rounds, and they didn't. I, I, I still beg a question here. I mean, it's sure that these this could be apples and oranges, but, you know, it's the play you lose on every year. Like, it's that it's that one area you want to look at, the cornerback position. If they add this, so that's what they need. But really, it could take ways from others. I mean, you, you look at 2019 – you think the Chicago Bears are still one kicker away from winning a lot of football games? Hell to the no. That team was not winning a lot of games, even if they had their kicker, which they thought they was oh, the only thing we needed was a kicker. We had a 12-win season. We have a kicker. We're moving on. I still think that's bullshit. You know, you look at the, the 49ers, and sure, they got beat because they couldn't drop an interception. You add that, there could be more things that they needed. So, yes. Well, yeah, the, cor- the quarterback position. I mean, we, right. we talked about that. That's the biggest glaring we're going to talk about is that inability to go and win games at the quarterback position. But when you build the team the way the Niners did, offensive line, great. Uh, weapons on the outside, Kittle, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, good running game. Defensive line is one of the best in football. Um, linebacking play with Fred Warner, one of the best in football. There's only one glaring hole. It's the quarterback that's the, the, obviously can't win games, and it's the secondary inability to stop people when it matters most. So I'm looking at those two positions, and I'm saying I'm investing my draft capital on fixing that. And they already did that with Trey Lance last year. That's their whether he works out or not. That's who they invested in. Where else are you investing? Go invest in your secondary. I don't I care mean, if you any- have to go out and pay a Marcus May. Go pay a a, a uh, what Williams uh, from from the Saints? Go buy buy your way to a championship in the secondary if you have to, or draft it. And they did neither. Yeah, and, and especially we see how every team in the NFC West and even the NFL, everyone's loading up on wide receivers. Man, you have to have a good secondary. Now that's the that is going to be the chain reaction from all of us. I mean, you, even you stay in the NFC West, you got Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson. That, that those are three good wide receivers who are, you're going to have to cover. You got. Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf in Seattle, you got Hollywood Brown now, and and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, this is you got to cover in the NFL now. You, I mean, there, there are teams that are gonna light you up, and the quarterback play too. I mean, it's it's coming for you. But did did they have did they have the worst draft out of the NFC West? The last team on our NFC West coverage is the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, you would think a team that, I mean, you trade Russell Wilson, you load up on picks, you hope that they hit on everything. And I'd say the Seahawks did have a very good draft headline by Charles Cross in the first round, followed up by Boye Mafe and Kenneth Walker, the running back out of Michigan State. That's that's where I want to go first, gentlemen, because at first, when this hat, when this pick was made on that Friday show, I was like, you know, I don't get that pick and I don't like that pick. But then I thought about it. I slept on it and thought about what everyone said. And, you know, I like that pick. I like that pick a lot uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. But tell us why they should like. Tell us why Seahawks fans should be happy about this pick, Dylan. Kenneth Walker's a beast. You saw him there in the in the in the little graphic there. He had his Michigan State little uh, well, what does it look like? Mountain Dew he's wearing, but no. I mean, this guy's a beast. He he, he has he's very very good. Um, I mean, that guy's just got explosive go get it uh, run kind of run, and he he's all over the place. I mean, and it's this. I know you bring back Rashad Penny, right? That guy's injury prone, but it doesn't matter. Like you still need other pieces, and Kenneth Walker's just an absolute beast. He's not an Alex Collins you throw in there. He's not a Kristen Michael or anyone else you've had in the past. He's not any of them. He's not a DJ Dallas. He's Kenneth Damn Walker, all right. He's the third, and he's going to go out there and he's going to run the ball. And I think that's that's a heck of a pick for Seattle because they, I mean they, they they've been big time on running the football um, throughout their whole entire time. And you know you do, you, you lose a lose a Russell Wilson, you still have a Drew Locke. You're going to need a solid run game. You bring back Rashad Penny, who was fantastic down the stretch, leading rusher the last three weeks of the season. And then you get a nice, uh, talented running back who had a solid workload in college. And they those two can complement each other with two hammers. Not necessarily a hammer and a nail. Throw two hammers in there and see what you got. Start smashing stuff. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's talking about. The entire time. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but I'm going to translate. I'm going to translate. <laughs> Kenneth Walker really is really good. 
yeah. That's basically what Dylan just said. Four three speed. Um, look, people are going to talk about his lack of production in college, but the j- difference is when he switched schools, his his kind of the way he was used switch. He was at Wake Forest. He wasn't getting a lot of run. Only averaged about hundred carries a year. Ran for about six hundred yards. He was averaging five point seven. I'm sorry, five point nine yards a carry during that time. And then he goes to a Michigan State which is in the Big Ten, built off that running game, and he's highly, highly productive, almost 300 carries, had 1,600-plus yards and and 18 touchdowns. And he added a little bit in the pass game, but not used so much as a passing down back. This is a guy that is going to be a workhorse in the NFL, and he doesn't have a lot of carries under his belt. He plays with good balance. He's not afraid of contact, but he can also, again, get to the next level and kind of finish runs and make those big plays. We talked about Rashad Penny. Injuries his entire career so far. Doubt he stays healthy. Only signed a one-year deal. Hmm. Chris Carson, his career's in jeopardy. There might be a problem with whether he could even play football again. And he's a free agent after next year. This is a guy that is they're building for the future. I think they made that clear when they traded Russell Wilson. They got guys, young guys like Noah Fant and all those pieces they got in the draft. Um, Kenneth Walker is, this, is going to be a staple in the Seattle offense. As I see it moving, towards the old Seattle offense of run first. And I think that was made perfectly clear by their first round pick in Charles Cross. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the Chris Carson thing. I mean, you, he might not play a God forbid, we wish him the best and hope he plays again, but Chris Carson, might, we may never see Chris Carson again, or you may only see him for half of a season and he's done. So you now bring in a Kenneth Walker, who you just said, low, mi- low miles on the tires, man. That's, that's the biggest thing. Like, you're going to be able to use him as a workhorse back, and I'm not buying Rashad Penny. I'm not buying Rashad Penny as a as, a, as a as a stud. Okay, I know, I know you are because it's because of fantasy, but I'm not buying Rashad Penny to be the guy, the bell cow back in Seattle. Kenneth Walker can, and I think will be that. Now you go to the back end of this draft here, and they select two wide receivers, Bo Melton and Derek Young. And obviously these are shots in the dark here. It's the seventh round pick. You're not investing a whole, a whole lot in your wide receiver. I mean, it's a seventh round pick. It's a shot. I didn't grade that high. I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of it. I mean, I guess it's a shot in the dark, but I was not that high, especially on Bo Melton. But AJ, when you look at your grades here, I see the high grade for Bo Melton. So what am I missing with old Bo from, uh, from Rutgers? you're missing all the tape that they didn't get to show you. Uh, Bo Melton was just honestly wasn't used because of the limited offensive role in college, but um, the the 2020 season, if you look at Bo Melton, he had a lot of great games doing a lot of big things. Uh, and it carried on to when he was given the opportunities in 2021. He's a very fast guy, was the second fastest receiver in the combine, if I'm not mistaken, running a 4.3. He's got great hands. He's got great feet. I talked a lot about how Garrett Wilson likes to work the sidelines and toe-tap the end zones. Uh, Bo Melton's the same kind of guy, maybe not to the extent of Garrett Wilson, obviously, talking about a seventh-round pick versus a first-round pick, uh, but it has very good feet around the sidelines, keeps both feet in, is ready and NFL-prepared. I don't think this is a guy who comes in and takes over DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett but you remember when Doug Baldwin wasn't everything for them, and but he was on the field catching passes. Uh, what's his name? Swain. Same thought process. He's that guy that comes in and he'll give you 30, 40 snaps this first year, may have a game where he has six to eight receptions for a touchdown or two, and you're like, where the hell Bo Melton come from? And he'll go right back to the bench until another three weeks, but will work his way up into that uh, top tier of receivers for Seattle. And like we were talking about, if Seattle, as we can see by their draft, really believe that Drew Locke is their guy Well, you go out and you get him weapons so he can be as successful as he possibly can. So to get him in the seventh round when a lot of people didn't know about him, part of the reason they were passing on him, I think they got good value on here. And if I'm completely wrong, so are the Seahawks, and it was just a seventh round pick. And it's bingo. That's the, that's the biggest thing. It's just a seventh round pick. And that's I, I'm, I like it. I, I like it a lot. With The upside seems to be there for Bo Melton. And again, a seventh round pick, you're not you're not spending that much. There's second, seventh round. I mean, you're really, you're not investing right. that much where they did invest in. And I think this is going to be a good pick. And it seems like you do as well, Aaron. It's Kobe Bryant, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. Kobe, Kobe. And I'm not talking Los Angeles Lakers, Kobe. I'm talking AJ's favorite college football team, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> uh, people forget. It's, it's funny. People forget that this guy was actually voted best defensive back. 
not Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant. He was voted. He won the award best defensive back in college football. So um, the Jim Thorpe Award winner in all of college football. And he his counterpart went number four overall. Um, this is a guy just has good movement skills, his length and size. He was kind of a mentor for Sauce Gardner when he first when they kind of came there. Um, he can break on the ball, has excellent ball skills. He is a competitor. He's going. AJ likes to use the word. He likes to fight every play. This is a guy that's has a short memory. He doesn't back down from anybody, and he is going to fight the receivers literally. Um, again, mm-hmm. this is something. It's projects. This is when you draft late in drafts, you're looking for guys you can work with, maybe clean up some of their technique and get them better. He has trouble with flipping his hips and getting in and out of kind of those movements, slow out of breaks. Some of those quicker twitchy receivers are going to get the best of him. But you can line this guy up in front of somebody and say, hey, I need you to win this one-on-one matchup. And he is going to win that matchup. So uh, don't look for him to go tackle anybody. He's kind of lacks that physical physicality in the run game, especially when bigger blockers are coming at him. But if you want to put him on a receiver and say, go win that battle, he's going to take on that challenge. I think Seattle, for a long period of time, since the Legion of Boom, has been looking for some corners that have the ability to play both man and zone coverage, but are going to have that dog mentality. And I think he's going to bring that to them. Uh, Look, him and Tariq Woolen, who I know AJ is going to get into, they got a chance by the end of the season to be starters. And I'm not, that's not just blowing smoke. I'm dead ass serious about that. Outside of a, a Justin Coleman, Sidney Jones, Trey Brown, like these guys are not world beaters. If these guys come in and they start to apply some pressure, they have a chance to be starters before the season's even done. And they got two safeties along back there with them. So it makes it even that much better. Yeah, you brought him up. Aaron goes and talks about my guy, Kobe Bryant. So I'm going to talk about his guy, Tariq Woolen. And honestly, the thing that makes me so excited about this pick of Tariq Woolen is the compliment to a Kobe Bryant. These are the type of guys, the prototypical cornerbacks uh, that a Pete Carroll likes. Long, lengthy, big hands, great ball skills. We're talking about a Kobe Bryant who's 6'1 with 9 and 3 eighths hands. And then we're talking about a Tariq Woolen who's 6'4 with 9 and 3 eighths hands. This guy is rangy, and he has top-end blazing speed. He's always around the ball. He's always in his receiver's face, and he's one of the better rece- uh, one of the better cornerbacks. I mean, yeah, he played at UTSA, and you can talk about the lack of competition and so on and so forth. But there's some guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that have that mentality, that want that challenge, that play with that chip. Yeah, I may play at UTSA, but every person that lines up against UTSA is going to feel the pain of a Tariq Woolen. And, and that's the mentality he plays with. And that's what they need to get back to in Seattle. They did this with a lot of their picks. You look at the Boye Mafe pick at the edge, he's got a mentality like that. Kenneth Walker in the offense, he's got a mentality like that. Kobe Bryant we talked about. These are the type of guys that can come in for a rebuild. And if you want to start building this off, this team from the defensive side of the ball because you have offenses on the weapon, uh, <laughs> weapons on the offense, I think they did a fantastic job starting with their secondary. That's a nice little squad back there, Quandre, Jamal, um, and then uh, these two rookies coming in at cornerback, who I agree do have a solid chance to become starters. Yeah, Woolen's very raw. Woolen's only been playing DB for two years. Like People forget he's 6'4", played receiver. Talk about ball skills. You throw the ball up at him, that mentality clicks in like, I'm a receiver. I'm going to get that ball. Um, I look for him to be able to, if he can grow. I mean, if, again, these are big ifs always. If he can learn the technique, and he can grow, that could be a guy you end up looking at Trayvon Diggs with 10 interceptions in a year, and maybe he gets beat a little bit. But the fact of the matter is he's getting those sudden changes because he has such good ball skills. So um, I, after really – I know we've only done a few divisions. Um, Seattle, Seattle had one of the most impressive drafts, and I think it went overshadowed because they traded Russell Wilson and they don't have the quarterback, so people aren't thinking much of them. I thought they had an amazing draft, and I wasn't a fan of the wide receivers just because – Seattle, they never really use three wide receivers. Like like AJ said, it's like Swain every now and then. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be DK and Lockett um, and the running game. But overall, outside of the wide receivers, I thought they every pick was almost flawless. I, I thought they picked really, really well. And they usually struggle in the draft. That's one area yes. that they usually don't they, – like they take a Rashad Penny. They take uh, – who is that? LJ Collier. Like they take weird-ass players, and then they just see what happens. But this year, I agree 100%. They knocked it out of the park. Uh, with their picks that they made this year. And I, I'm curious, do you think uh, Wooling could potentially return punts? Um, I'm trying to think, who does it now for them? Like Swaim, huh? I think Freddie Swaim. I think Freddie Swaim. Yeah, Freddie Swaim and uh, DJ Dallas as of right now are those yeah, two guys I, that they have. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know. He'd be a good guy. Uh, I'm I'm not really sure. I'm trying to think if he did it at all in UTSA, but I'm not sure. Um, I mean, again, UTSA was almost ranked in the top 25 at one point. I believe they were. Yeah, they were. Uh, they were. So, so like that's. I know the program's small, but they got some recognition. He was part of that, and um, he's electric. I mean, you're talking about a six four dude that can blaze four three speed, and um, it would not shock me if they try to use him in some different ways. Maybe you may see him go on offense. You never know. <laughs> Maybe they, they say, "Hey, we're going to send you back to your Here's roots." The three. Swing the draft out of here. Six I, four guy. I dropped. Get it. I dropped. So when we were doing our like mock drafts and our mock drafts and stuff, I moved Woolen up a lot. But I I did watch the combine and I was a little. I was on the phone with Vinny I think at the time and Woolen was doing his drills and I was like, oh boy, he needs some work. Like his his technical skills are are something to be desired. Like left to be desired. Like he has some issues with getting in and out of breaks, flipping his hips and all that stuff. But the raw potential is what I see. And if you get with the right system, the right coach, put them in the right situations. I think that's what you want to exploit. Hopefully Seattle can do that. Um, so he can have some success. You're going to learn in practice when you're going up against DK and Tyra Lockett all the time. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, that's a good matchup right there with DK, right? Yeah. That big body versus learn. your big body and you can go at it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good fit. Good fit. Let's see how the rest of this NFC West shook out in terms of overall GPA. And it looks like this, the Rams at 2.59, followed up by the San Francisco 49ers at 1.96. <laughs> yeah, that's how it ended up shaking out, gentlemen. That's how that, that's just the way it that's is. worse than the Commanders. Uh, but we were just we – yeah, yeah, it was worse <laughs> no, than the I Commanders. Think, I, no, it wasn't. I, I thought – 1.98. Oh, see? Oh, okay. close. All right. Yeah. 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 So that's what happens when you draft a running back that you don't need with your second pick. Oh, we, we move on. I digress. Uh, but but we were just talking about the Seattle Seahawks. They end up with the highest grade. And like you said, Aaron, they had the most uh, they they had the most complete draft. They ended up doing the right, making the right picks, even in the later rounds. You got a Bo Melton who AJ, you were just very high on. Uh, and then you got the Cardinals at a 2.6. I mean, those are good drafts for both those teams and the Cardinals and the Rams, but at the end of the day. It's the Seattle Seahawks reigning supreme. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know that we've had a grade as high as the Seahawks so far. Maybe maybe we had a 3.6 in one of them. Maybe the Jets or I don't know. But um, see, I, I, was, I was highly impressed with Seattle. And I'm not saying they're going to come and win the division now because they had what we call a good draft. But this is the step. Their, their next step is finding their quarterback, right? So they started to put some pieces in place. Um, you know, the DK Metcalf contract is going to be next. They'll start putting pieces in place and then building that foundation. So when they do go out and either draft a quarterback next year, a Bryce Young or, you know, a CJ Stroud, if they can bring one of those guys in, then you're already set up for success with the foundation and you don't have to worry about uh, a, a young quarterback coming into some shit box of a, of a roster. So like the Atlanta Falcons or one of those. Linebackers, linebackers. Hey, they got a lot of linebackers. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to the NFC South because I got a lot to say. <laughs> good. But that's what that's what happens when you have your 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 owner. You got good ownership. You got ma good management. Got a good coaching staff. That's what happens. So I think that that's the that's the, that's the way the Seattle Seahawks are rolling. It's a good start. A good start to their rebuild. Uh, but that does it for another episode at the Sack City Podcast. Don't forget all of these videos, all these draft topics, and teams that we're discussing are all going to be perfectly clipped for your viewing pleasure on our YouTube page at the Sac City Pod. And while you're there, you can just head on over to all of our other social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the good stuff at Sac City Pod. We've made it very easy for you. And please, the days are counting down. We're counting down the days. This shirt will not be available. This is an exclusive limited time shirt for you. Just you people here at the Sac City Podcast. It's a special shirt. What please. do you mean, you people? <laughs> Damn it, I knew once I said that, I'd get that one. <laughs> uh, but it is there just for your purchasing. It's help us help support the show. We do all this for free. Please help us get to that next level and buy our merchandise. It goes oh, speaking such a of, long way you don't even know. Speaking of, I know we have about like a minute left. Um, yep. Do we have numbers like people? I are we going to substantiate? We want to substantiate to people how much work actually goes into the show and how yeah, much we so, appreciate the support. Yeah. So at the end of our draft, at, at the at the end of all of our draft coverage, I will tally every out because this counts as draft coverage. So right now we are technically going on like thirty plus hours of work just on this draft alone. 
just on this draft alone, 30 plus hours for guys that have full-time jobs, guys that do not get paid a cent. We do not get paid a dime on this show, but we have put in all this work to make this happen. Shout out you guys for making this happen. Shout out you fans for being there to watch all of this happen, but go that next level, go that next step and help support us to where we can get to that next level to where you, we, you see us on TV. You see us on ESPN, buying our shirts, buying our merch, supporting us, sharing, subscribing. It goes such a long way. Just one simple click goes miles and miles for our show. So please support us all. We appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again on Monday live at 8 p.m. Eastern time right here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and, of course, Belly Up Sports TV. For your boy A.J. Johnson, for my best friend Aaron Mukes, and old big rig down there, Dylan Kearns, I am me. We will see you Monday. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.